It's unavoidable that, that Christmas is always going to bring with it a certain amount of tension. Because a big part of Christmas for each of us, as you well know, is tradition and customs. Part of, of what makes this such a, a part of the year that we look forward to are the same things that we enjoy doing with our family and our friends. The sameness. It kind of marks it as a, a special time of year. We look forward to, and we even say, it's not Christmas until we watch this Christmas movie, until we bake this certain cookie that our family always bakes, or this sugary treat that we always have. We listen to this specific artist or album this time of year. It's the sameness. And that sameness cements this season as special. And so the tension is inevitably going to arise when things change, which they always do every year to some degree or another. Maybe a flight is canceled and the people that you were planning on spending Christmas with now suddenly are not going to be together. Maybe it turns out that somebody in the family that you thought really appreciated one tradition or custom, it turns out they don't. And maybe they suggest or offer something different or new. One of those changes that none of us really like to wrestle with is that as we age, we have to be just a little bit more discerning about the holiday treats that we snack on over this time of year. So right in the face of what we enjoy, the sameness of the season, this change brings out that, that tension that exists. And then on top of that, we can add to it the tension of where Jesus and our focus on him fits into this time of year. And I want you to wrestle with that tension just a little bit this evening. As you stop and consider where Jesus figures into your celebration of Christmas. And to ask, why, why did Jesus come into the world? Was he born into this world to ensure sameness for you, for your lifetime? Or was he born into this world to change everything forever? As you heard the Christmas Gospel from Luke 2, you heard a lot of things that were the same in that account. It wasn't the first time that a census had been decreed. It had happened for centuries in the Roman world. Every five years, a census uh, was carried out. The same type of thing. And so the same arrangements followed. Mary and Joseph were doing what so many other couples and families were doing, returning to their same hometown to be counted for the census. And as we're told, in the, the same hills surrounding that same city were the same shepherds watching over the same sheep. So many things were the same. And then in the midst of all of that sameness, God pierced the timeline of history with something entirely different. And you heard it in the gospel, the words from Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and following. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Did you catch what was different? Yes, the the angel came to announce and speak to the shepherds. Yes, the, the, the army host, the angelic host, pierced the, the pitch black night with their glories to God in the highest. But there was something, something else. Something else that was different. Something that was, that was so subtle and so beneath the radar that forever changed everything. A Savior was born. A Savior was born. That had never happened before. Prophesying about that Savior being born, that had happened. Promises, yes. And those, those prophecies and the promises, they were passed down from one generation to the next for century upon century upon century. But we're not talking about angels coming to share more news about something that was going to happen in the future. We're not talking about more information being passed on, about more details about the Savior's birth. We're talking about something that had happened. What was hoped for happened. The Savior was born, and he would change everything. Which is essential for us, because there's, there's something, as I mentioned in the children's sermon, in our lives that, sadly, does not change. Not nearly as much as we want it to, but more importantly, not nearly to the degree that God expects it to, and that is our sin. Sin, we might just define it as simply understanding it to, to miss the mark. That's really what sin is, to miss the mark. In thought and word and deed, every time we, we sin, we miss the mark. So think of it this way. That God, in a sense, he sees your entire life as you are on the free throw line. And every time you think something, every time you say something, every action you take, he says, all right, take a shot. The only thing I'll accept is a swish every time. And yet, our track record is far from a perfect three free throw percentage. In fact, our, our life is one record of brick after brick after brick clanging off the rim. Because no matter what we've done in the past, that's always going to mar or taint our percentage, isn't it? We can't undo the things in the past. Even if tomorrow's a great day, I still carry with me that, that brick from the free throw line of the missed mark of my sin from yesterday and the day before in my past. So I can never change. I will never be able to achieve a perfect percentage. And that's pretty evident to us, isn't it? We read through the, the picture-perfect Christmas card or letter from that family that has it all together, and we notice just, just a slight little bit of envy creeping in. Clang! One more brick. We figure just a, one more little white lie. I'll just bend the truth a little bit to get the boss off my back until after the holidays. Clang! There's another missed shot. And I snipe at mom or dad when they ask me to help around the house. Clang! 
Another missed shot. A testy text sent out of anger or impatience. Clang! There's another brick. That's our life. That's our record. One after another after another. And God says that misses the mark. That's not good enough. So do you see why we call it good news? What the angels announced? Today a Savior had been born. And that's what we need when we don't have the perfect percentage from the line. When our life is, is a track record of missed mark, one after the other. You don't, need, you don't need a motivational speaker to come and bark at you and yell at you so you make more of those free throws. You don't need a personal trainer who can get you into shape so that you'll hit more of them. You don't need a, a coach that is going to help you with your form or your technique. What you need is a substitute. You need the guarantee that somebody else can hit every shot from the line. A perfect record. And brothers and sisters, that's what you have in Jesus. That's why it mattered for him to be born into this world to be not the example for you to follow, but the substitute who could achieve what you never could, a perfect percentage. A Savior whose heart was never filled with, with envy. A Savior from whom, whose lips no lie ever fell. A Savior who never once lost his cool, never experienced a hangover, always acted in perfect patience. That's the substitute that you need and you have in your Savior. And if that had been the only gift that Jesus was born into this world to, to give to us, his perfection, his holiness, that gift itself would have been quite astounding, quite marvelous. But Jesus is not like Santa Claus, just spending one night of the year giving out gifts. Jesus is invested and interested in giving you far greater gifts that will last far longer than one night. So the gift of his perfection is not where Jesus intended to stop. As much as, as our Savior's life started in a little town called Bethlehem, it would end just outside a town called Jerusalem. And that same Savior who was wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger would be the Savior who would be stripped of nearly all his cloths and suffer the humiliating beatdown and whipping and crucifixion to pay for our sins. And that changes everything. Because he gives to you with that gift of forgiveness something you could never achieve on your own. And he gives it to you freely. You heard the other gifts that the angels announced when they, when they gave this information, this great news to the shepherds. They said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And then when they were singing their, their glorias, they talked about peace on earth. Jesus coming into this world changed joy and peace for the entire world. Prior to that, any experience of joy and peace, they were based on temporary circumstances. They were short-lived. They would come and go. That's just the only way that the world could experience or know any sense of, of joy or peace. But now, 
it had been changed because now the joy was tied to salvation that was a certainty that Jesus came in to, the bring, to bring. A definite, not a maybe or a might. And now that the peace that you and I have and experience isn't just found only in the absence of conflict or stress in our relationships or, or place of work, but it's a peace that is ours because Christ came to reconcile, to bring together man and God and do away with the sin that divided us and separated us from him. And this isn't, again, as I said, a, a might or a maybe. This is a joy and a peace that lasts forever because of the assurance of, of Jesus' birth and his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension back to his rightful place in heaven. That's how you know this is a joy and a peace that are unchanging. So if those are, are a different joy and a peace that has, has changed forever how we're going to experience it, how can it not also change us to know that joy that is outside of us and not based on our circumstances? To know that peace that isn't dependent on, on us getting over our pride or our bitterness and our grudges and reconciling where we never could. A joy and a peace that came because Jesus came to bring them. That changes us. And it's something that we can celebrate even not knowing what the year ahead holds for us. Because if joy isn't dependent on my circumstances, then that means that tomorrow when, when you open up those presents and you don't get what you were hoping for, you can still find joy. Just don't look for it under the tree. Find it in the manger. And that means in two days, when the world hurries on to the next important thing that it stresses out over and, and has to rush into as soon as we box up Christmas and put it away for another year, that you, in the midst of all that crazy busyness, can still find peace in the manger. And that as we look ahead to a new year, rest assured there's still going to be adversity and hardship and struggle and toil. But the joy and the peace that you have in Jesus, though they don't take those things away, what that joy and peace mean is that those things cannot rob you of the joy and peace in Jesus. Yes, Christmas is going to bring with it a measure of tension, always has, always will, as much as we appreciate the sameness of customs and traditions. Celebrate this year that Jesus didn't come just to safeguard your sameness, but he came to change, change you, change the world, to change your eternity. Merry Christmas. Amen.